It's episode 13 of the Improv London podcast with this week's guest, Joel Gatehouse. This ain't gonna be easy. Welcome to episode 13. I'm your host, Stuart Moses. This week we talk to we, the royal we. It's me, it's just I, just I'm the only one that did it. This week I talk to Joel Gatehouse and he talks about the criminal improv night, Jacques Lecoq, and the effect of clowning when one is trying to chat up a lady or be sexy. Joel, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me on the podcast. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you very much for, for being being on here. Um, this is quite exciting because everybody else um, that's been on the podcast I've met previously, you come highly recommended by uh, yeah. next week's, now I shouldn't say next week's because I might swap around the order of people, <laughs> by Mark Johnson. Um, but it's really good, I think, to um, not always speak to the usual suspects yeah and and i do feel a bit like a like an outsider a little bit because i feel like i've snuck into the improv world through the kind of through the back door because my background in it is really kind of like that i've, I've sort of stumped yeah i just uh, started producing an improv show and i was because it seemed very natural and it was things that were kind of interesting me and then suddenly I'm, I've entered into this world which I kind of don't really know anything about. Right. Which has been really exciting, really wonderful. I mean, it has meant that like lots of the kind of ways we've been producing it, we had to sort of learn the, learn the hard way. But that was good. That's been good as well. That's been really good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about your, your, your improv night. Criminal? Mm. Criminal, yes. Um, so uh, we started it... Uh, in January 2015 and we've been doing it it's kind of monthly and um, yeah we've just we're just about to move locations we've been doing it for sort of 12 months pretty much at this place I've already forgotten because we've moved on that's fine <laughs> but we're, ne- we're moving uh, in Islington and then we've just moved now to the Miller in London Bridge which is a brilliant brilliant improv venue and um, it's been really, it's been such a kind of, it's weird that, that we're a year into it because it, it both seems like I blinked and yesterday we were only just starting it and didn't have a clue and uh, me and the guy I run it with, Ralph Jones, um, who I've known since school, since uh, sixth form and, and before that even, um, that we were just kind of like talking to each other over the phone, kind of frantically fretting the night before, kind of going, so what is the concept of the night? What is, is it, is it this? Is it... Is it that? And then, like, me kind of keep having to sort of, like, calm him down and say, no, 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 we've, we've talked it through, we know what the format is, it's fine. And and that seems like that well, that conversation is what was, was just yesterday. Yet, I, I also know that, like, I've got all, we've had about uh, 10 shows, I think, we've taken, no, we've, uh, yeah, we've had 10 shows in, in, that, in those 12 months, and it's been... There's been so much that's happened, and they're all so unique. I mean, it's just been really, really fascinating journey for us. Really, um, it's been really exciting. So, how did you get end up? How did how did the evening start? Well, um, we, uh, me and Ralph, um, have wanted uh, worked together in various forms over the years in kind of sketch uh, groups, and um, 
and I'm I'm quite anarchic and kind of chaotic, and he's quite um, well. He's a writer, so so he he sort of sits and thinks and has wonderful ideas, and then I he hands me a script or something like that, and I kind then sort of go, oh God, do I have to remember this? Um, at which point I sort of look a bit confused and spend sort of an hour kind of like cursing him for giving me um, funny lines to say because I've got to remember them, um, and he he just proposition because I'm a kind of theatre producer as well that we produce um, a we've been looking for something for ages to kind of do and he he'd seen uh, the trial uh, this is your trial sorry um, at the fringe the year before and he just was so taken by this kind of high idea of quite a high concept show with a mixture of improvisers and comedians um, uh, or stand-ups really um, that, that we just kind of wanted to sort of see if we could produce something um, very, you know sort of along that, that kind of lines find a concept which we could kind of produce and create a space for improvisers to enter into and uh, we kind of came up with a kind of almost kind of a response to or, or, or sort of um, to this is your trial to sort of think about well what about if we sort of said it we looked at the crime being committed and the solving of the crime before it gets to trial. So something that is sort of in connection to, uh, I don't know, yeah, crime and punishment. So um, we were looking at sort of like, well, what's the shapes of those kinds of stories and then what, how much framework do you leave? And we were really at sea, but we just about, suddenly we kind of found something which, which we felt had enough of a game to it um, that might be fun for some improvisers to play. And that was really important to us, thinking back. We were thinking, this has got to be in one of those kind of nights where improvisers kind of hear about and go, they don't dread. <laughs> they kind of go, that would be a really fun game to play. Um, and so that's where, where it started. And we kind of got this idea that, what if we had three, three envelopes, three suspects, and in, in one of those envelopes there's a guilty is written, and in two others it's innocent. And those three weave a, a mystery a detective, a fourth improviser, has to then solve by the end of the evening. But of course, the three of them won't know the, what, what the mystery, the suspects won't know what the mystery is yet before they kind of go about weaving this, 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 this whispery, this mystery. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and we started off by having, and, and, and what the game of that might be, like leading enough clues and but not so much that it becomes so obvious who, the, who, the, who the, the criminal is. And so that's kind of what it's born out of, is that kind of game of, it's almost like a game of, um, of kind of Cluedo, but also, uh, yeah, that kind of like, it's quite overt, the game in, in the show. We, we hope we start the show off with people taking the envelopes out in front of the audience. So it's, it's, it's been really fun and then over, over time it's kind of evolved into something which has still got that at the heart of it but it's a slightly, well it plays more into the kind of, the kind of improv that I really love, which is a kind of, I don't know, well that's, that's more about like where, where my background in, in improvised, improvisation and comedy and theatre lie really in my training, yeah. So with the, with the format of the show, um, you've got the performers and they're given an envelope and then how, do, how does it 
carry on from that? Well, well, there's there's quite a lot of like, um, yeah, they kind of play. Well, like a big part for me is is that is about leaving space for the for the improvisers. So we started off with a very very kind of like tightly formatted, and of course this is something that I I produce and I don't perform in. I host it and I'm present on the night, and we are the warm up for it, and we sort of set the framing of how the night works. But once we kind of set off stage, for me, it's quite important for the kind of feeling of the night, that there's this kind of, um, it's this feeling that, that, that it's theirs to own. And that, so in terms of kind of structuring, it's quite, it's very long form. It's very kind of like, um, and we let the improvisers between them kind of work out what's, what sets of, of rules they want to, how strict they want to be with each other in terms of like, uh, editing techniques or um, things like that because that's also kind of not not our world mm. our world is the kind of like just kind of like set it up and set the atmosphere right and then for them to and and the other thing is we don't have a regular set of improvisers we have a rolling uh, crew we try to have one person who's done it before at least um, but we've done it before where we've had a totally new cast and our I really enjoy that because it's kind of that you get to see them on stage figuring out how they're going to actually <laughs> actually make this work because the because although the game is overt, you, the ability to make it a satisfying experience is the is the kind of like really fun thing I think to see them kind of struggle with like creating a mystery, but it's not going to be too hard. It's not going to be got no logic to it, but someone puts something on the table and everyone says. Okay, well that's there now. Now we have to sort of make it work. That now we have to make this suggestion work into the mystery. And then there's kind of two teams, but they're kind of working together. So it's like this, this funny, funny little thing. But the structure of the night is we have the first. The, like if I pull back the curtain a little bit, I just all we really give them is the first half is about establishing the suspects and about maybe drizzling in a few mo- uh, motives. And we try to end the first half with a with some sort of cliffhanger. And if they're taking way too long, then I play a little um, thunderclap sound effect and say, "We need to get to the end of the first half, um, so people can go buy drinks and run away." <laughs> no, that never happens. But um, the set, and then the second half is about is about like turning some stuff on its head and then it all ends with a with some sort of drawing room scene now whether that takes place in a drawing room or if it takes place on the dreaded you know um, spaceship you know so, so, you know then <laughs> the dreaded spaceship well it's just like a little like a, it's one of those classic things where uh, because our, um me and ralph um, are in charge of getting the suggestions of course there's, this, there's there's that element as well to the show where we have to draw out some some little bits of the crime for them to get started with. Um, and so often we, we pick a kind of location and then you just have that thing where you're acting as a curator, as a, as, as a host, as a host as cur- curator. And it, it's that kind of funny thing where you're not sure whether you should, like the suggestions put out there and you, the improviser in me wants to kind of go, yes, let's go with that suggestion. But I also know that we've had space like, already and that's fine and we did it and it was really good fun. I really enjoyed the space one. But maybe, maybe we could find something like a little bit 
different. So we got, so at that moment, so that's been a real discovery for me. It's like how you take those suggestions. And I've, and again, as I said, like coming to this with kind of like as someone who uses improvisation, who's used improvisation in rehearsal rooms to make you know theatre um, and in clown and and my other kind of areas where you don't have to think about the audience you're thinking about the audience and the editing process afterwards you in that moment you just go yes and then you, you sort of work it all out but i have to sort of kind of go oh good okay space any others any others oh what's, what's did you say did you say something and then we try and sort of find a way to make it not feel like this kind of because this exclusive kind of idea where kind of like I don't know that's very that's very interesting I don't know about that curation process that, that happens and I, I don't know if we've totally mastered that yet I'm sure other people do it better I mean that's another thing that we're really doing a lot is, is going to see other other improvisers shows um, to steal ideas no to <laughs> I mean to kind of like pick up on the kind of like frameworks that people use to sort of like, yeah, to sort of get the audience feeling like they're in on the joke. That's, the, that's probably my favourite thing about improvisation is that it always feels like, so when at its absolute best, it feels like you've got a series of running jokes or moments or, 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 or these kind of like magic things that come out of nowhere that it's like, a, a, like you're as an audience member you're in on it yes. you're, you're part it's not sort of like where you kind of hear a joke and you're like I don't like everyone's laughing around me and I don't really understand why sometimes you have that with stand-up comedians where you kind of go to see the show and they don't they do something and like everyone around me is hysterical I don't understand why well it's because they're kind of playing off a character for a, a you know it's a long-running trope of them being grumpy at the so, certain circumstances and and I'm kind of excluded from that, but there's something wonderful about an improv show that's created just on that night that, that you can't be excluded from any of the jokes, I don't know. So it's really kind of like a series of these wonderful invitations into, into kind of, yeah, into a, a communal sort of world where they can kind of get involved in it. Yeah. So <clears throat> when you're hosting the night, how much involvement how much say do you have obviously you get the suggestions um are you narrating things oh no, no 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 we step away like we well yeah so a lot of it is 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 motored by is uh yeah it's motored by the uh detective really that, that they kind of lord mayor's show the kind of the whole thing where they kind of narrate it and we've got several kind of suggestions of if 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 we tend to get more experienced improvisers to come as, as, as the detective first and then the less experienced ones to kind of be the, the suspects because it's, it's the kind of rhythm of the show. Someone like um, David Reed who's done it loads of times and is absolutely brilliant at, at being able to feel the rhythm of the performance and feel the moments where he needs to kind of like move on and the moments where he needs to kind of like cut short whatever's happening and jump forwards you know because he, he can just kind of feel it and that's something that that we talk that we don't really I'm not really interested in I'm not really interested in controlling really because I kind of think I love it I, I, I just love the 
the mixture of people that's that that's what David brings and I think is brilliant but I also really like it when when I see an improviser get up and do the detective thing and they've maybe seen it before and they've kind of come to, to be the detective and they're like oh shit how do I change scene how do I narrate this and I'm saying I'm discovering this in front of everyone as well and they're seeing my kind of little bits of kind of like my workings it's like like all their maths papers were spilled out onto the table and they're kind of like going uh, is it times yes yeah, okay yes we're this is how I'm going to change scenes now and that kind of like emerging in front of everyone and um, and then a, a language of the show developing but I'm quite I do I, as much as I can I try to say as little as possible to the improviser because I want them to bring themselves and what they're doing and I think the fact that they kind of are I think the, the fact that they kind of are um, not working with people that they work with all the time right. is really fun for me because it, it's got a sense that they are discovering, they're kind of kept on their toes. Yeah. Like there's an edge that they have to, they can't rely on certain tropes or certain established relationships or, or status kind of games that they play all the time they kind of have to feel it out each time and I think that that's always really kind of like I kind of like the danger of that <laughs> I do I really like the way that it's kind of like as much as I can I don't know I'm, I'm really and Ralph the guy who run, run it with he is he's, he's yeah he's more the other way I think it's the, the writer in him that, it, that wants to kind of like, I like the chaos, and he likes it when it's like really nice and teat, neat and tidy, and put in this box. And I kind of like it when when I see someone kind of absolutely trapped. <laughs> I love the moment where where they're kind of like when um, when someone like they're just about to wrap up the story, and they kind of are like um, someone just like flop something onto the table <laughs> like um, in a show we did just before Christmas she just one of, one of the improvisers just said um, what, well we haven't met my sister she's living in the attic and we were like I was like yeah. looking at my watch kind of going <laughs> I was looking at my watch kind of going oh my god ten, ten, like we, ten minutes and they've just introduced a twin sister up in the attic and they're all going to have to go up there now and figure out how they're going to get up to the, So they took the lift, which hadn't been mentioned before. Okay, so that, that but to be honest, those kind of moments where one of them kind of, when the, the performers look to each other and they kind of go, are we doing this? <laughs> well, we can't not do this now. We can't kind of go, ah, oh, but she's, you know, they don't want to. They want yes. to kind of like work it in. And those are the moments I love. I love those moments where they kind of look, when you can see in the <laughs> eyes of the performers, this, ah, oh, that would have been good if I hadn't have said that. <laughs> it's one of those moments when less is more. Oh dear. Oh, well, we're going with it now. That's, <laughs> that, for me, is just so exciting. It's just like, that's, that's when the like, really fun stuff happens for me. But I don't know, that might be, I might be alone in thinking that, I don't know. Well, I definitely, I, well, that's when I'm often standing at the back of the audition because I've walked around the sides after, after introducing it cackling with laughter in the kind of moments when there's deadly silence elsewhere or something like that but because I don't know I'm I'm so I'm so fixated on on comedy of of the flop of the kind of like 
of the kind of because I think it's it's really human. I think it's really interesting that kind of like that laughter that comes out of like a look between two performers who aren't really sure what's just happened. Those are the kind of like exciting exciting moments for me. That's what that's that's really what what I love. I really love that. I really love that, and that's why that's why I want to keep my hands off it really because I, the more you kind of sort of mould it, especially as a producer, I feel, but I'm sure like other other improv producers, I've not really met any, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure other improv producers feel like that maybe it's just like, I don't know, negligent. I don't know, right. maybe. Maybe it's negligent, but because because the, the, the performers are the ones up there taking all the risks. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> that's really, that's really cruel. No, no, that's great. Um, you mentioned the flop. What do you mean by yes. that? Yes, okay, so in clowning, okay, so I, I, I trained in physical theatre, uh, East 15, um, uh, yeah, a few years ago. And um, I got really obsessed with clowning, because I was awful at it. It's really bad and cried in class. Not... Clowning terrifies me. Yeah, it I've is. Never it done is. It. I find it terrifying. Yeah. That and the Herald. <laughs> I don't know which I'm more frightened of. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, so clowning is. Okay, so a comedian tells a joke, a clown is the joke. So you, it's about, it's very exposing, and that's why it's scary, is because if a comedian tells a joke and no, one's, no one laughs, you can kind of put a lot of the blame on the joke. If you're a clown and no one laughs, it's no one else's fault but yours, you know? And, and so in this concept, there's this kind of idea that it, it comes out of a kind of uh, a French mime tradition. Um, from Paris at the, uh, Le, the Lecoq school of mine, which yeah, it's good for Lecoq mime jag uh, <laughs> jokes. So I went, I went for uh, gags and jokes there at the same time. I went for jags, Lecoq jags. Uh, is, I'm on a Lecoq jag. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but uh, yes, where there was an exercise called, which I, I've seen actually, Mark Johnson, who's coming up in, in a few podcast times <laughs> who I've shunted out of the way. Um, sorry, Mark, if you're listening. And, that would uh, be useless. <laughs> you better be listening. And, um, and it's called Be Funny. And, and the, audience says, the audience gets up and one student at a time gets up and has to just be funny, which of course they, now the expectation is for them to be funny. Nothing funny ever happens. It's, it's awful, it's excruciating, it's squirm-inducing. You sit there watching them try and try, and then maybe there's a few nervous laughs or kind of like, <laughs> uh, oh, pity, pity laughs and things like that. And then, then, only then, the, when the performer sort of gives up and sits down, does laughter happens. Right. And it's because you're laughing at their, at their failure. You're laughing at this, this moment of the flop, the, the bead, which is like French for the pit of the stomach, the kind of moment where everything just sinks and you're like... And, and it's a very human moment. It's a very moment that's very... Yeah, it's exposing. And, and that's the heart of... That's where sort of like the root, the heart of the clown is, really, if I can make as many metaphors at once as I can. <laughs> then that's where, that's where that work kind of comes from. And then it's then, then you're kind of exploring then what that flop is and how to sort of sit in a mistake. So 
I don't know, you, I teach a bit of clown and uh, one of the exercises I do is called clown interview and the clown, they, they put on their nose and they turn around and then I ask them a series of questions to which the answer to each one is yes. But the questions I ask are, are contradictory, so I say, are you smart? Yes. yes. Are you dumb? Yes. Oh, well, that doesn't make any sense. Okay. And so they sit there in that kind of like having to be, having to say, having to be proved wrong all the time and be sort of like told that they're, they're not really making any sense. And it's a very disruptive experience for, for a performer. But once you kind of, once you kind of push through that, and when I was at drama school, I absolutely couldn't. I just was, come off stage feeling like the least funny person in the world and uh, and a total failure a failure as a man <laughs> a failure as a comedian a failure as someone who was who thought they were very funny um, and I was not uh, at all the crickets chirping all around me um, and I would I would, li- I would genuinely cry I would genuinely because I was so like my identity as I'm sure lots of kind of people's identities are are uh, as the funny guy, the guy who makes people laugh. And when you kind of get up there and do so, and are a clown whose only role is to basically make people laugh, and you can't do that. Oh, God, that was really... Oh, God. But that's where the clown kind of lives as well, is in that kind of, like... Um, yeah, it's quite sad. The, the, <laughs> it's in that place. And so when, when we're exploring the flock, we're exploring what it is to be comfortable sitting in that failure, that kind of commenting on it. So maybe I sort of like, um, there's another exercise called uh, the wave meant for another. And so you have two clowns walking towards each other and a third behind one of the clowns. They wave at each other and then the clown with the person behind them, the other clown walks past that clown and these two friends who know each other unite and one of the clowns is left there kind of hanging in the lurch with their hand waving in the air. And it's, if they kind of very quickly move on, then it's not funny because they, they've covered it. But if they sit there with their, with, or stand there with their hand up in the air and then try to sort of just like, you know, maybe for several seconds, kind of like trying to sort of like work out how to recover what they're doing, just for because this is an audio, I'm doing an actual description yes, of this. Very good. Great for podcasting. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, I've got my hand in the air, and I, I have to somehow maybe I sort of um, was trying to get a fly off of someone. I don't know, or I don't know what I uh, tried to. That's a ter- that's awful. That's <laughs> <laughs> exactly why I was bad at clowns. Um, <laughs> so is that's that moment there? Is like but being able not to rush through those moments. And so I, I kind of taken that kind of like, that kind of world of kind of comedy. And there is, is only one small sort of slice of the big comedy pie. And I've kind of gone, oh, that's the, that's the tasty, salty tears seasoned pie slice that I really like. Um, I don't know why they've only put salty tears in one slice of the pie. That does, that's not how you make pies. But okay, um, <laughs> that's comedy baking for <laughs> that's you. That's comedy baking. It's, yeah, so that's how a clown might make a pie. Anyway, <laughs> I, I take that and I've kind of gone. Oh, that is so fascinating. I just want to, I just want to, yeah, really um, mull over this and stare at it before I eat it. Metaphors. What's the point of metaphor? 
<laughs> well, when used in the wrong hands, what's the point of metaphors? Anyway, so, um, so uh, yeah, and then in my, and so I kind of use some of those techniques in kind of like uh, theatre making and, uh, and sort of like um, that kind of like ability to be quite vulnerable. Because so I think that's a really useful skill for performers is the, not the constant need to kind of fill stuff with stuff that makes us feel comfortable. Um, because we kind of need to be able to sit comfortably within uncomfortableness. Right. Yeah, but, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, I don't know, that's, that's, that's fascinating for me. It's still an area of kind of like inquiry. And I, I still have not quite managed to, I'm still working out how I host it. And I am quite, very silly. And I'm still kind of trying to bring more of my clowning into my performance. God knows there's enough of it in my everyday life. <laughs> Somehow, some of that sort of, I, I kind of get a bit formal on stage and kind of like I'm a host now and I don't do, I'm, I'm you know, very serious and I want everyone to think that I'm an excellent host rather than sort of like just be the absolute buffoon I am in reality. Just constantly. I mean, once you—that's the other thing—is once you do a bit of clown training, you start to see those clown moments everywhere. Yeah. In the world, in your life specifically, in your life, especially if you're like me, who's just naturally incredibly forgetful, gets themselves, gets their hopes worked up and then dashed in a moment, and and you're like, oh my god, I am that, I am that ideal clown I always aim to be slightly miss when I'm on stage because I, it's just I don't know anyway but that's the that's the skill really is being able to pull it out I think so when you say you see these clown moments mm. what is the persona of the clown I mean is it is it a sad are we sad oh. are we happy are we just uh, it's different for, for I mean I, lots of people talk about clowning and sort of like finding your inner clown and I, I kind of think that that's that's going to be really rude. I was going to say that's bollocks. But I don't, I don't think it's bollocks. I think it's just one way of working, really. I think that's not how I work it. I'm much more interested in the kind, in understanding what, because it, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll be more <laughs> concise with my thoughts. I'm jumping over stuff, um, partly this because this is stuff I'm, I'm still in process about. So I find it difficult to necessarily formulate my very strongly held opinions on it, apparently. <laughs> um, but the, there's, something in, there's something in when you sort of talk about like finding your inner clown that turns it into a mystical process, and I think that that's unhelpful. I think it's much more helpful to talk about kind of like status games, things that we can actually like tangibly get hold of rules which we can then break, you know, rules which work in this circumstance except for when you try and do them again, of course. but like things that, things that are about listening and responding, things which are very, very true to, to great improvisation really, which is, I think really good improvising is actually a case of really good listening. Yes. I think, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure everyone's going to disagree with me on that. Now, of course, <laughs> as, um, but, um, all those best improvisers out there that never listen to anybody else. Kind of, kind of like, 
Yeah, it is. I've been thinking it was about talking. Of course, <laughs> no one thinks that. But, um, but maybe I think I think that. I, or ha- I have thought that. I don't know. Actually, it is uh, that. Um, yes, there is that thing that that people will talk more to try and get themselves out of something. But actually, you just get yourself into more trouble the more you talk. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of like it when people do that as well <laughs> because I, because I kind of see it as being a bit wrong and I kind of like I like anything that's just kind of looking a bit odd and anyway. So, but I think that like that's what's really I think yeah and so this kind of idea of like like clowns can kind of be anything as long as you're allowing yourself those moments to be vulnerable. You see kind of clowns who are like dominant bosses and they kind of like order people around. But we still see them as stupid, you know. God, like um, I've had so many bosses like that, and then we see kind of like, um, yeah, clowns kind of generally fit into three, three kind of areas. There's the kind of boss clown, or sometimes called the Auguste, if you're kind of you know, sort of technical Frenchy. Um, then there's the um, naive. Um, who is usually, you know, the sort of lower status and sort of everything in the world is a kind of mystery to the naive. They're, they're sort of discovering it for the first time and getting themselves in trouble that way. And then um, then there's the eccentric, which is less common. You usually fit into one of those two. And then there's the eccentric, which is just very odd. <laughs> Knows a lot about some things, but then doesn't make any logical sense why they know stuff about this or about that. Um, so there's... Those three kind of archetypes, which often people will enjoy performing one of those three more than others. And also you have this really interesting thing where you put two Augustes, boss clowns on stage together and you'll find that actually one of them, you've, you've always thought was an Auguste, it's actually a naive when you put them in together. Because very rarely do you have clowns who, who work at the same status level. Yes. Um, and then you, yeah, and so that's always very interesting. And you're, yeah, yeah. so then, and, and so there's that kind of status games kind of happening. And those things I think are really fun and something to get hold of. But I think with, with clowning, it's a kind of like, well, there's two forms that clowning come in. There's the kind of improvised clown performance. And then there's the clown routines, which have to be in, like are the polar opposite of that kind of like improvised heightened which are purely heightened listening where you kind of come on stage and you don't really do anything apart from listen and respond the, the funniest clown i think i've ever seen doesn't do anything didn't didn't do anything he just kind of came on and just just at some point someone sort of laughed and he just looked confused and then everyone laughed and then he looked very confused and then he just kept trying to replicate that moment, because like obviously that was a great success, and he was happy. He looked confused, and everyone laughed. And then he was like, "Oh, okay, so I look confused, and people laugh." Okay, so he then tries that again, and no one laughs because it doesn't make any sense. And then he kind of looks doubly confused, and then we laugh, and then he's like going on this thing of just, and that's the kind of improvised, very, very like perhaps there's nothing there. There's no substance there. There's no form. It's just being on stage and trying to figure out what the audience want. And then there's the clown routines, which are have to be very, very tightly choreographed and yet still, and sort of retain a kind of level of, of kind of like, 
listening to each other, but they can be, they can be, you, you might have to choreograph them down to sort of like a raised eyebrow here and a, you know, but only in time, you know, in time with the music or, you know, the mistake that goes wrong in the clown routine or something like that has to be kind of like very tightly, you know, the chair is pulled away at the exact right moment. Otherwise, the foot doesn't go through the newspaper and that, and that kind of thing I find like really great to watch. It's fascinating because it's like, it's like a, a brilliant Buster Keaton routine or yeah, like a vaudevillian kind of routine where you're just like, my God, where did that cigarette go? Like, how is he still smoking and hanging upside down? He's come through <laughs> the water and then, it, and then he's just puffed out. He must be holding in that smoke for all that time. or whatever. Okay. That kind of vaudevillian kind of thing, which is just like, it's almost like magic. You're like, how are they doing that? And sort of like, that's one, I don't really want to be involved in that. That's not chaotic enough for right. me. It's, it's kind of sanity. Yeah. You can, when it's really great, you don't even think they're doing it, of course. You can't see the, you can't see the mechanisms behind it. But my favorite, my favorite thing is just to see people come from nothing. And I think that that's, that's the sort of same world. It's just, it's just some of those rules. It's the same improvised kind of world, I think, as the kind of improv, improv um, community is. It's just some of those rules have kind of been stripped away a bit. And you have to be so, so confident in yourself. Not confident, well, yeah, confident in yourself. Or be confident enough to be vulnerable in front of people, to kind of go on stage with nothing, yeah. with absolutely nothing. And be kind of, because the moment you start planning in that kind of, in that, in that sphere, that like very incredibly loose sphere, it's so easy to kill it. And you have to forget the last performance because that guy, if he tried to just replicate that moment of one person laughs and then he looks confused because only one person laughed and then everyone laughs. If he tries to recreate that, he won't be able to because you can't, cause you can't fake it with an audience, I don't think. I, think. I think audiences are really smart. I think they, they can smell bullshit from, you know. <laughs> Hundred paces or something. Well, I don't know. I'm not working that size of theatre. <laughs> so, uh, what is it that um, you've got a kind of a new perception of life, um, having done clowning? You say you recognise these sort of clown moments in your everyday life. How does does that help you cope with life more easily? <laughs> no, definitely not. No, I guess maybe the clown as therapy. I don't know. <laughs> That's really the crux of it. Those oh, those clown moments that I do all the time. Okay, so just the fact that every morning I walk from my flat and have to turn back and go get my headphones because every morning I forget them. Like that's like, and then you sort of like have this. Uh, there's this. Um, Native American saying, oh, Native American saying, oh, very nice, very good. <laughs> Native American saying, which is that, like, if you could see yourself from six different directions, you'd laugh at you too. And it's that kind of like, if you could just, like, if you take that moment to sort of look what you're, look outside of what you're doing and sort of see that those moments where you're just like at your wit's end with, with frustration, or with something else, you'd see kind of how ridiculous the, the world is. 
So I'm trying to think of examples. Um, the, the headphones one is, is good, but it's kind of low stakes. I mean, it's the fact that I do it every single time. And every single time I go, ah, oh, for fuck's sake, what? Like I'm in my corridor of my flat, of my, my, my yeah. flat building, and, and I'm kind of like, what is, what is wrong with it? And then in that kind of moment where I just catch, catch the grimace on my face from the outside, I kind of just have a moment where I jump outside myself and look at the grimace on my face and I think, if you played these, if you cut, if I just filmed myself leaving every day and I cut them together, I would just laugh over and over and like, just be so fun because it would be so genuine each time because it's every time I'm so I'm so stupid I'm absolutely a complete idiot or and it does it help with life that I know that I guess it kind of in some ways it does but there's some moments as well when you're sort of trying to chat up a lady or you know trying to seem sexy and <laughs> um and you just kind of think oh I don't know where to put my hands I'm just the most awkward person, and it's, I'm only awkward now because I'm thinking about. I, now I, I think I'm being a clown again because I'm, I'm just sitting in this kind of like awkwardness. Whereas, uh, you know, someone who hasn't sort of like suddenly had clown kind of in their like, uh, you know, they're kind of, they're putting their clown glasses on, so they're seeing the world through clown vision or something like that. And I think that's very much why how I'm sort of seeing the world is through clown vision. And I just kind of think, can you not just be kind of Swathed just for a moment, just that'd be really helpful. I mean, maybe I don't know. And so, but then also, I also know that those are the kinds of things that, that I really like in other people when I spot other people who are also as kind of awkward and stupid as I am. I don't know. I'm trying to not use the word stupid so much anymore. I'm trying to use wrong headed as wrong a term because I think it's because I, 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 as a person, as my politics really, I don't really sort of get into kind of smart and dumb kind of things because I kind of think intelligence is a thing we cultivate, you know, um, and accumulate and cultivate and have to sort of massage and feed. Um, and so in that sense, calling someone stupid is like, it's not so, I don't know, it doesn't really work. So I'm going with wrong-headed. Wrong-headed, I like it. I like it too because I've met some really wrong-headed people in my time. But, you know, they could just switch, you know, at any point they could become unwrong-headed. But people get labelled as stupid for the rest of their lives, don't they? And then they think they're a stupid person. So, like like me. Going back to being sort of suave. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. So, is having done clowning, yeah. um, does that mean that you're being aware of maybe when you're being ungainly and so if you haven't done clowning, you're still doing the same things, you just haven't noticed it. Or are you less likely yeah. to go on successful dates if you study clowning? Um, I've seen what I've done there. Yeah, <laughs> I just, that's my future clown teaching. Um, okay, it'll only really work for married people, I think. Yeah, people who've really locked down their relationship. Um, Ah, <laughs> yes, the answer is yes. I can't, I, yeah, I can't remember what the, what the question was, but yes, no. I, I think that... Do you become more clown-like because you've had clown training, or are you just more aware of being clown-like? I think, I think it's somewhat that. I think it's once, it's like, um, you know, it's like that moment in The Matrix where Neo starts to sort of see the ones and zeros. But instead of being able to control the world, it's like an impotent Neo. You become an in impotent Neo. Well, that's just... the place you put that on the poster. Okay. 
<laughs> um, put some of that input into uh, Neo business. Yeah, where you can kind of just, um, yeah. <laughs> you can just, you can see them the numbers, but you can have no effect on them. Uh, uh, and and okay, that would be less. Yeah, it would be a less good movie, of course. Um, but probably no worse than the sequels to it were. <laughs> yeah, but we shouldn't be judging anything by the sequels of the Matrix. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. I think, I think to be yeah, I think some people. I don't know, yeah, I think it is that you just slightly become aware of it. I wish I was, but I think you can probably get better. I don't know. I think that actually, uh, maybe I'm being a little bit bombastic about it. I'm backtracking here really <laughs> wildly, very quickly. I mean, look how quickly these uh, legs are moving. Um, I think that some of that, yeah, it's just you once begin to see it. I'm sure some people just begin to see it much more in other people. I must be just a completely uh, kind of self-centered person that I cannot, I just see it all in myself. Maybe I just need to look at other people more and be a good listener and, and laugh at them. No, I'd much rather laugh at myself, I think, as well. No, let's take it from there. It's a, it's a really generous thing because I like to laugh at other people. No, laugh at myself. Oh, God, Freudian slip. <laughs> Dear Lord, I'm getting myself in all kinds of trouble. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, I have a thing about sexy clowning. Okay, sexy clowning classes coming in March. Okay. Just, um, so you can both be, well, they say humour is an aphrodisiac and things like that. And, you know, people are supposed to fall for other people that have got a good sense of humour. I just try and persuade myself that that's true. That's <laughs> I'm true. really hoping that's true. <laughs> I'm really hoping that's true. Oh my God, I'm, being, I'm exposing myself. Just need someone who's um, really lovely. Oh, this actually, I could use this as a sort of shout out. Hello, ladies. I'm looking for someone who can laugh at me, but not in bed, unless appropriately in bed, <laughs> which will be a lot of the time. <laughs> Admittedly, it will be a lot of the time you'll be laughing at me in bed, but just like just picking and choosing those moments. Um, I won't laugh at you. Um, unless you say something unless funny, you say something funny yeah. and then I will laugh and I will feel bad um, <laughs> even though you probably meant to say that thing funny okay, okay. it will it'll only really work it will only really get on I think probably after about six months so if you can battle through the sixth month thing <laughs> with me I think we'll get on really well I really look forward to hearing from you I like going on long walks on the beach I would live nowhere near the beach but that's fine, fine. Um, I'm quite tall so I can reach high things that's a selling point. Um, um, and uh, <laughs> I've run out of things. Okay, so um, just get in touch on uh, Owen. Well, no, you can, uh, <laughs> you can contact the podcast yeah. at, uh, at Improv London and I will uh, forward. Uh, <laughs> Have you thought about turning this into a sort of uh, matchmaking site or something? No. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's just me. That's just, just me. What, no, oh, okay, okay. No one um, else has felt, you know, uh, comfortable enough to advertise. Uh, but yeah. you know, I think it's but a good I'm, thing. I'm, I'm one of those overshares. I can't yeah. really hold back. Yeah, really. No, yeah. Sure enough, well, yeah. I'm just comfortable being vulnerable. So. Yeah, well, you've got training in it. So, yeah. <laughs> you're, like, you're like a professionally qualified, vulnerable person. <laughs> oh my god, that's, that's like the like professional vulnerable person. It okay. sounds like someone desperately in need of help. Oh. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I think that. <sighs> okay. Okay, right, so, well, this has been um, 
transformative for me. Terrifyingly so. Um, I hope it's been transformative for you. Oh yes, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Um, we, yeah, I should actually also do the, the plugging bit. I should do that, shouldn't I? I um, oh yeah. So if if you want to come along, hello people, and and any ladies as well. But this is, I, I feel bad about the whole ladies thing. I'm feeling really self-conscious, like it's slightly misogynistic. Or I don't know. No, you love ladies. Oh, I do. I love ladies, yeah, exactly. guys. I love ladies. Yeah. How can I be misogynistic if I love ladies? Um, oh God. Okay. And uh, this is great advertising. Oh, my goodness me. Okay. So if you would like to hear more or like roughly about five minutes of, of me doing this kind of thing, but mostly almost an hour and a half of absolutely brilliant improvising uh, with kind of tiny little snippets at the beginning and end with me. And I t I'll tell you a ticket as well so you can laugh at me then. Um, then you can come to the Miller uh, uh, every month from now on. This one's going to be free, and we've got the absolutely brilliant Josie Lawrence um, performing uh, at Criminal this, this time, which we're absolutely, like, we were flabbergasted that she said yes, because it's a bit like, really? You want, you want to improvise with us? <laughs> but yes, yeah, no, we've had, we've had amazing big name TV stars on before. So you haven't. But <laughs> had, we've had absolutely. No, we have had absolutely. We've been so lucky with with the improvisers we've been working with really so far. But um, yeah, no, that's just been been absolutely. Like someone I can tell my mum and my mum Josie Lawrence. She's like, oh, I actually know that person. Yes. Um, and I'm like, I know. <laughs> um, so if you want to come to that, please come to that. And uh, it's free this time. And then uh, because we're kind of managing the transition, and then after that, we're going. I think for a fiver, which is kind of lovely. But um, that's all the money goes towards the improvisers really so we pay our improvisers which is which is nice for the hard work especially since we give them nothing in terms of like structure i just sort of say go and then at least they get they've been paid for all their hard work you know, putting up with me oh god okay that was brilliant oh thank good thank, thank you. you very much that was a pleasure uh, as i say i, I am very i'm an oversharer <laughs> can't stop myself and that's, uh, that's exactly the sort of guest I want on the podcast because it's very, uh, it's hard work where people are really reticent. So I try not to encourage that sort of person onto the podcast. Yeah, well, I suppose it's the kind of personal bit that I kind of have a bit like, do I really want to talk about the, the, my single life in this moment? How does that pertain to my, well, I kind of guess it does kind of come into play when I'm talking about clowning and improvising and stuff because that's, I can't hold that stuff back on stage either, really. I just kind of like, I am very, much me I don't really do characters even when I've been an actor I still, I still am an actor occasionally a very bad one but I only play characters who are basically me um, which is fine <laughs> limiting but fine brilliant thank you very much no pleasure. that was lots of fun loads of fun I made this By the time we get to this part of the podcast, I'm sure you're thinking, Stuart has improved my life by creating this podcast. What? Maybe there must be something I could do in return. Well, there, there is, gentle reader. Why not go to iTunes and write a review of the podcast? And uh, thank you very much to uh, P. Ty, who has already done so, and uh, be like him. That's improv! <laughs> That's improv.